Vernon, Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all. When you focus solely on indoor comfort for 43 years, well, you get really good at it. Get your heating or cooling system tuned by a Vernon specialist today for only $69. Vernon's 60 to 90 minutes of meticulous system inspection guarantees energy savings or the tune-up is free. Now that's a value. Go to vernonheating.com. With Jiffy Lube Multicare, it's our job to keep you moving. With a full range of services from oil changes, tires, brakes, batteries, and more, we've got what your car needs, so you're ready for whatever's next. Putting you in the driver's seat of car care, that's a job for Jiffy. Visit JiffyLube.com to find a service center near you. Chapter 18. Early History of the Pseudopsies as Related by Barrel Brow. How They Were Driven to Take Refuge in the Underworld, and How They Came Upon the Marble Highway their discovery of natural gas, which yields them light and warmth, and of nature's magnificent treasure-house, how they replaced their tattered garments and began to build the city of silver, the strange misfortunes that came upon them, and how they rose superior to them, terrible as they were. And no doubt, dear friends, you would be glad to hear something about the early history of the Pseudopsies, who they were, where they came from, and how they happened to find their way down into the world within a world. At least this was the way I felt after I had been presented to the learned Barrowbrow, and so the next time I called upon him I waited patiently for him to finish reading the four books in front of him, and then I said, Be pleased, dear master, to tell me something concerning the early history of thy people, and to explain to me how they came to make their way down into this underground world. Ages and ages ago, wrote the learned Barrelbrow, my people lived upon the shores of a beautiful land with a vast ocean to the north of it, and in those days they had the same senses as the other people of the upper world. It was a very fair land, indeed, so fair that in the words of the ancient chronicles the sun looked in vain for a fairer. Its rivers were deep and broad, its plains were rich and fertile and its mountains stored full of silver and gold and copper and tin. And so easily mined were these metals that our people became famous as metal workers, so deft in their workmanship that the other nations from far and near came to us for swords and shields and spearheads and suits of armor and table service and armlets and bracelets and, above all, for lamps most gloriously chased and carved to hang in their palaces and temples. And so we were very happy, until one terrible day the great round world gave a twist, and we were turned away from the sun, so that its rays went slantingly over our heads, and gave us no warmth. Ah, oh, me, I could weep now, exclaimed the learned Barrelbrow. After all these centuries, when I think of the cruel fate that overtook my people, in a few months the whole face of our fair land was covered with ice and snow, and our cattle died, and many of our people, too, before they could weave thick cloth to keep their delicate bodies from the pinching cold. But this was not all. The great blue ocean, which had until then dashed its warm waves and white foam up against our shores, now breathed its icy breath full upon us, driving us into our cellars to escape its fury. And in a few brief months, to our horror, there came drifting down upon us fields and mountains of ice, 
which the tempestuous waters cast up against our shores with deafening crash. To remain there meant death, swift and terrible, so the command was given to abandon homes and firesides and escape to the southward, and this most of them did, but it so happened that several hundred families belonging to the metal-working guilds, who knew the underground passages to the mines, as foresters know the trackless wood, had taken refuge in the vast underground caverns with all the goods they could carry. Poor deluded creatures! They thought that this sudden coming of the winter blast, of the blinding snow and vast floating fields of ice, was but a freak of nature, and that in a few months the old warmth and the old sunshine would come back again. Alas, months went by, and their supply of food was almost exhausted, and the entrances to the mines were closed by gigantic blocks of ice cemented into one great mass by the snow which the grey clouds had sifted down upon them. There was now no escape that way. Their only hope was to make their way underground to some portal to the upper world. So, with lighted torches, but with hearts plunged in the darkness of despair, they kept on their way, when one day or one night, they knew not which, their leaders suddenly came upon a broad street of marble opened by nature's own hands. It was skirted by a softly flowing river that swarmed with fish in scales and shells and skin, and here our people halted to eat and drink and rest, and while one of their number was striking his flint on one occasion to make a fire to cook a meal, to his surprise and delight a tongue of flame darted up from the rocky floor and continued to burn giving light and warmth to them, as they had brought their tools, their drills and chisels and files and gravers and blowpipes, with them in their carts and wagons, they made haste to fit a pipe to this opening in the rock, and set up a cluster of lights. With food and water and warmth and light, their hearts grew lighter, especially as they soon discovered that in many of the vast caverns gigantic mushrooms grew in the wildest profusion. The wisest of them, continued the learned Barrelbrow, at once made up their minds that there must be reservoirs of this gas farther along on this beautiful marble highway. So day by day they pushed farther into this world within a world, halting every now and then to set up a lighthouse, as they called it. After advancing several leagues, the exploring party, upon lighting a cluster of gas jets, were stricken almost speechless with wonder at finding themselves upon the very sill of a tower portal opening into a succession of vast chambers, some with flat ceiling, some arched, some domed, upon the floors and walls of which lay and hung inexhaustible quantities of pure silver. Those magnificent caverns were in reality nature's vast storehouses of the glorious white metal, and our people made haste to set up clusters of gas jets here and there so that they might view the wondrous treasure house. Here they determined to remain, for here was food and water and never-failing supplies, and here they would have light and warmth, and here they could forget their miseries by working at their calling using the precious metal with lavish hand to build them living chambers, and to fashion the thousand and one things necessary for everyday life. So great was their delight as metal workers 
to come upon this exhaustless supply of pure silver that they could hardly sleep until they had set up clusters of gas jets throughout these vast caverns for no doubt little baron thou hast already guessed that this is the spot i am telling thee of that right here it was where our people halted to build the city of silver but one thought troubled them and that was where to find needful clothing for the old was fast falling into shreds and tatters when to their delight they came upon a bed of mineral wool with this they managed to weave some cloth although it was rather stiff and harsh yet it was better than none while exploring a new cavern one day one of my wise ancestors saw a large night moth alight near him and gently loosening some of its eggs he carried them home more as a curiosity than aught else imagine how rejoiced he was however to see one of the worms which hatched out set to work spinning a cocoon of silk half as big as his fist there was great feasting and merry-making among our people upon hearing of this glad news and it was not very long before many a silver shuttle was rattling in a silver loom and the soft bodies of our people were warmly and comfortably clad now long periods of time went by which cut up into your months would have made many many years our people had everything but sunlight and this of course those who were born in the underworld knew nothing about and therefore did not miss but as was to be expected great changes gradually took place in our people to their inexpressible grief they noticed that as they busied themselves beautifying their new homes by erecting arches and bridges and terraces and lining them with glorious candelabra and statues all in cast and wrought or hammered silver their sight was gradually failing them and that in not a very great length of time they should be totally blind this result little baron continued the learned barrel-brow was very natural for the sense of sight was in reality created for sunlight for as thou no doubt knowest all the fish that swim in our rivers have no eyes having no need of them it happened just as they had expected in a few generations more our people discovered that their eyes could no longer see things as thou dost but yet they could feel them if they were not too far away just as i can feel thy presence now and tell where thou sittest and how tall thou art and how broad thou art and whether thou movest right or left forward or backward but i cannot tell exactly how thou art made until i reach out and touch thee then i know all yes far better than thou canst know for our sense of feeling is keener than thy so-called sight one of my people can feel a grain or roughness upon a silver mirror which to thy eyes seems smoother than glass well strange to relate and yet not strange our ancestors with the going out of their sense of sight also felt their sense of hearing on the wane our ears as thou callest them having nothing more to listen to for eternal silence as thou knowest reigns in this underworld became as useless to us as the tail of the pollywog would be to the full-grown frog and of course with the loss of our sense of hearing our children were soon unable to learn to talk and in a certain lapse of time we came to merit full well our new name of farmer folk or ant people 
for we were now blind and deaf and numb. It is long, very, very long, little baron, continued the learned Sudopsy, since all recollection of sunlight, of color, of sound, died out of our minds. Today my people don't even know the names of these things, and thou wouldst have as much chance of success wert thou to attempt to tell them what light or sound is, as thou wouldst have it, thou shouldst try to explain to a savage that there is nothing under the world to hold it up, and yet it doesn't fall. But if thou shouldst lay several pieces of metal in a row, and ask one of my people to tell thee what they were, he would try the weight of each, and feel its grain carefully, possibly smell them or touch his tongue to them, and then he would make answer, that this is gold, this is silver, that is copper, that is lead, that is tin, that is iron. But thou wouldst say, they are all differently colored, canst not perceive that? I know not what thou meanest by color, he would reply, but mark me, now I hide them all beneath this silken handkerchief, and still by touching them with my fingertips I can tell which metal each one is. If thou canst do it, then art thou as good a man as I. What sayest now, little baron? asked the learned barrel brow, while his face was wreathed in a smile of triumph. Dost think thou wouldst be as good a man as this pseudopsy? Nay, indeed I do not, wise master, wrote I upon my silver tablet, and I thank thee for all thou hast told me and taught me. And I ask leave, O barrel brow, to come again and converse with thee. That thou mayest, little baron, traced the learned Sodopsy upon his silver tablet, and then as I turned to leave his chamber, he reached quickly after me and touched me with a bent forefinger, which meant return. Thy pardon, little baron, he wrote, but thou art leaving my study without thy faithful Bulger, am I not right? I was astounded, for indeed he was right, and though without the sense of sight he had seen more than I with two good eyes wide open, there lay Bulger fast asleep on a silken-covered hassock. Our silent conversation had so worried him that he had sailed off into the land of Nod on the wings of a dream. He hung his head and looked very shamefaced when my call aroused him and he discovered that I had actually reached the doorway without his knowing it. End of chapter 18 Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit